401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to the Outcome Show. Today, I am joined by Derek Fiorenzo with Summit Group Retirement Planners. Hey, Derek. Hi, how are you today? I am good. Thanks for being on the show today. Now, a lot of people know you in the industry. I know you from the industry, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on at Summit, but I also know you do a lot of nonprofit work, and you're involved with a group, F4, and your involvement is more than just putting in an hour or two. You've, uh, you've really built something there impressive. And whenever I find somebody that's done that, there's usually a story that leads up to, here's a problem, I got to solve it. Can you give us the backstory to F4? Well, first, let me just start by saying thank you for having me on your show. I, I think it's amazing what you've done and what you've built. So it's just, it's an honor and a privilege to be part of it. And um, F4 is something I'm very passionate about. Our, our vision is to create a world without hunger. The mission is to connect free sources of food to hungry recipients in need. And the impetus for uh, me creating this organization officially in 2011, it actually started in college I, uh, and, and prior to that even. But as a kid, I would serve at homeless shelters with my parents. And in 2007, I was getting an undergrad degree at Villanova and I reached out. It was uh, really cool. A breakfast with Santa. I was volunteering, you know, flipping pancakes and, and you know, pouring eggs on the kids' plates. And at the end of the, uh, you know, the Christmas uh, breakfast, I said to the caterer, I just, it was so random. I just, I don't know what inspired me to think, what, what's going on with this food? I said, do you ever donate food um, to shelters? And, and he had said, no, not at the time, but he, he encouraged me to reach out and follow up. And I did. And that Christmas, it was uh, 2007, we served 25 meals and it just kind of spiraled from there. So now our organization has distributed over 4.3 million pounds of free food in four, almost 40 states, 37 states. And we've done it all for free. Our model is really unique. We don't charge a program fee. We don't charge the donors to get rid of their food. We don't charge the recipients to receive the food. Everything passes through 100%. So it's um, revenue neutral, as we would say in the investment world. But uh, we're basically serving as unpaid brokers. And then we rely on the philanthropic uh, hearts and generosity of individuals and corporations. We also don't actively seek government funding. And we also don't take uh, political positions. We are apolitical, bipartisan. We, uh, we are purely here to help give back lovingly and, and to serve others. And, and I, I hope, uh, I guess, you know, long term, we'll be able to expand our footprint beyond just the United States, but all over the world. Love that story, Derek. When you research entrepreneurs and disruptive technology and business, whether it's social or whether it's on the corporate side, what I found is that it's usually not somebody creating something out of thin air. It's the association. It's the connections. As soon as you said connect the resources, it tells me that you're, you're a builder. You're an entrepreneur. You're a creator. And back then, it sounds like you even knew what the three sources were. So can you lay out the three sources and tell us how that works? Yeah, so uh, I refer to them and they're free sources, but 
in any ecosystem, let's take food banks at a very, very high level, because it's probably easiest to start there at 30,000 feet. Every community, or I'd say most of the communities in our country, the major cities, usually have a, a large food bank. And the food bank provides food to their constituents. Who are their constituents? It's a food pantry. It's a food cupboard. The biggest difference is resources. So a food bank typically has a, a large geographic service area. They receive more in funding, and they're typically open five days a week. Sometimes they're open on the weekends. A food cupboard might be open once or twice a month but they still serve as what's called a distribution point. And individuals that are hungry and that are what's called food insecure, and we use that term in the food industry, being food insecure means you don't know where your next meal is coming from. So roughly 25%, um, 20 to 25% of the population is food insecure in our country. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. So these food cupboards and these food pantries that uh, might be open once, twice a month or once a week, are crucial to the success of um, the individuals getting access to food on a daily basis. So I think it, it helps to kind of set that as the framework and the foundation that without that food bank in the ecosystem, understanding that relationship, um, that's how an individual would gain access to food. They would go through their local cupboard, through their local pantry, and that food would be provided by the food bank. So what we're doing in those relationships is we're working with a local company, a church, a local affiliation, and we're actually connecting the church, the company to that food bank or when applicable and where we're able to, to the smaller food cupboard or food pantry. And that also helps reduce and defray distribution costs that they might have and getting food from that food bank. So that's one silo. That's food banks. We consider that to be traditionally non-perishable food items, but it's also um, another way to look at it too. It could be produce. It could be meat. They've actually expanded their service offerings. The other end is more of the shelter model. And the way I always look at it is this is perishable items. So these are warm meals. So you're a farmer, you are a food manufacturer, a food producer, you're a caterer, you're a restaurant. You have food that you're producing that you might be discarding, you're wasting. Um, a lot of the food in our country, around 40% that's produced is actually wasted. It's thrown out, discarded. Well, that's not good for the environment, but it's also not good for the people that don't have access to food that could benefit from having food. So what we're doing in those situations is we're actually pairing up those potential um, food producers, food suppliers, restaurants, caterers to the local shelters in their communities and helping them figure out logistically how does the food get picked up number one, consistently and safely. Um, and then two, how do we replicate that model so that every city that we work across the country, we're able to kind of continue that sustainable uh, solution. That's, that's probably the best way to look at it, that sustainable solution so that every city can benefit from partnering with their local restaurant, their local caterer. There are many organizations that do similar work that we do where we're a little bit different and unique is um, we are for the most part, pretty much volunteer run. We have two employees that are paid and the model applies both to the perishable and non-perishable. So we're, we're tackling both avenues of it as opposed to just food rescue or just food drives. We're, we're actually helping to support both ecosystems. How did the pandemic impact the need that you're trying to fill and the ways that you're actually doing it? It's a great question. So the pandemic... Um, 
I, I remember when we were here last March, how scary that was for so many people. We saw an increase in food drive output about 400%. Um, and our total food, we went from around 700,000 pounds of food in 2019 distributed to about 1.2 million pounds of food distributed in 2020. This year, we'll probably finish up right around that 1.2, 1.3 million pound marker. But the um, the need grew. The other thing that we noticed too, there, and it's more so this year, there have been supply chain issues. So we've had some organizations we've worked with where we were receiving or rescuing, I should say, 30,000 pounds of food a month. Those same relationships have dropped by over 60%. Now we're rescuing 10. 12,000 pounds a month of food. So that means there's less food than going to shelters and the pantries. Um, also with unemployment. So, you know, this has been with the pandemic, we had a huge spike in unemployment. And people are worried about how do I stay in my house? How do I keep the lights on? Where's my next meal coming from? So I think the sense of urgency and the awareness around food insecurity is probably at an all-time high. I would say there's more people that I talk to that are not only concerned, but willing to do something to help, whether it's donating money, donating time, donating resources, having a food drive, connecting us to a potential food partner for food rescue. That's all gone up. And I think that the pandemic, what it did mostly was it just created more awareness around the issue of food insecurity. And, and you wouldn't think a country like America, you know, that we would have uh, issues and maybe you would think it, but I, I mean, I wouldn't that we have issues when it comes to food, that you know, we food insecurity is such an issue. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for it. We don't have enough time in this in this you know talk today to kind of get into all of them. I'll point out one that's really interesting um, and sad. It's called food deserts. So in our country, there are certain areas that just can't get access to food. They might not have you know their supermarket um, in that area. So those areas of the last to receive food, if they get food at all, they have to drive far to get food. So the food deserts are a big problem. And one of the things that we hear a lot about is infrastructure. Well, as much as you know, we, we, we are reconnecting or connecting as a world, those are some things we have to be mindful of is, you know, there are still a lot of people that, that go without food, that, that don't have access to food. They might have the money, the resources, or they might even, if they had the money resources, be able to get to it. So it's, it's, it's an interesting problem to keep in mind, but I do think that the positive, if I, if I could spit it positively with the pandemic, is that more people are taking note of the issues of food insecurity and more people are willing to do something about it. Many years ago, I helped out at a food bank when I lived in Tallahassee, Florida with my wife, and it became apparent to me within however many times we were there, just a handful, that the issue didn't seem to be food. The issue was distribution. Mm. And it wasn't that the supply wasn't out there. And that was even before organizations like yours who are even connecting more food to the people. It's, it's logistics, it, it's distribution. And uh, you know the government can't do all of it. You certainly need the private sector, you need the nonprofit sector in there to figure it out. So you know, I love that you're getting a solution that connects the supply to the need. And doing it through volunteers. And, you know, it's one of those things, as you said, it's bipartisan. It, it's, uh, it 
It's not a political party. It's not a religion. It's, it's just connecting and helping people. So glad you're doing it. I know that we're partnered up with our conference. So ho hope you get some great exposure out there. We want to introduce people to what you're doing. And uh, before we shift into the business world, uh, how can people get a hold of your organization or you if they want to learn more about it or maybe get involved? Sure. And, and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the conference. It's going to be great. And um, we've actually done this too with, with NAPA. We're going to be helping to support the local food bank at the conference, soliciting donations to support the food bank. And, and they're going to then use those dollars to purchase food. So a food bank is able to they have more buying power. Um, so we think wholesale, they're able to buy roughly four pounds of food for every dollar they spend, which is more than we can get on our own, typically at the, the supermarket. Um, the best way to follow us is on social media, and it's at F and the number four service. And that's across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, F and the number four service. And our website is f4service.org. Fantastic. Well, this is your side gig that uh, obviously is uh, large and impressive. And I know it takes a lot of energy, but you also love our business. You love retirement plans. You love working with Summit. What are you guys working on at Summit right now? So I think, you know, I was just having this conversation. Um, we're always looking for efficiencies. But we don't, and I always say this: we don't want to cust, we don't want to compromise the customization and the specialization, the treatment that our clients are used to. And you know, I feel like as an advisor, we really are in a niche market. Retirement plans, I would say, as a whole, and this is kind of patting retirement plan advisors on the back. I think are really good people in the sense that they think of others before themselves. Um, I can't speak to the wealth side as much because I, I spend, I would say, 99% of my time in the 401k space. But the advisors that I work with in the community are really giving and they care about people. And I'd say at our organization, you know, our, our vision is we want every individual we work with to be able to be in a position where they can retire debt-free and with dignity. How do we do it? that process we're constantly looking at refining, you know, making sure that from a fiduciary standpoint, we're continuing to stay in compliance with the regulations that come up and making sure that the committee, the investment committees are, are educated and informed. But really as we grow and build our business, we don't want to ever lose sight of the people that we're helping. And I always say, you know, it's easy to get caught in the numbers game. You know, we, we all are, as advisors, we look at, aggregation of assets. We talk about, you know, economies of scale and, and all types of things like that. But I always say at the end of the day, there's a heartbeat at the end of that statement. There's potentially a husband, a wife, children, future generations that are impacted by the conversations that we're having with those individual participants from the plan. So, and, and another thing I'll say too, I, I always look at, um, this is really a neat thing, but like Bruce Springsteen has a song, like Prove It All Night. Well, I, I like the, the concept of that song, and I feel like it's so similar to sports. And I, I play football at Villanova and at Cal U in Pittsburgh. It's so similar to sports, especially retirement planning. You're only as good as your next day, as your next presentation, as your next meeting. And that desire to continually get better, to strive for progress, not perfection, because nobody's ever perfect, but we want to strive to improve and enhance that experience. That's where my focus is. So sure, we're looking at, you know, CRM upgrades, and we're looking at uh, better ways to um, streamline our meetings with the committees, 
better ways to gather data from the participants when we're meeting with them one-on-one, -on -one, looking at, you know, their budgeting needs, looking at um, their debts, looking at, you know, their savings patterns or their goals, where do they want to be? But ultimately, we have to keep the glue, that human-to-human, -human, heartbeat to heartbeat interaction. I think that's one of the things that makes our firm unique. It's something that um, I'm grateful for. And I saw a really neat question on LinkedIn today. What's the number one trait that you admire in a leader? And it's kind of like two for me, but I always say it's humility. And um, I used this term a lot growing up with when I was playing football, but you want to be confident, but not arrogant. And that's where I, I've blended this term. I've said it's humble confidence. So, you know, with everything we do, we want to be confident in what we're doing, but we want to make sure we're approaching everything from a mindset of service and a mindset of just keeping that perspective. You're only as good as your next day and focus on humility. We definitely never arrive in life once you figure that out and uh, focus on progress instead of perfection. Uh, thank you, Dan Sullivan, for uh, that mm -hmm. one. <laughs> Minding the gap there, right? Life-changing book and uh, certainly a presentation from his. That's uh, that's the shift that many overachievers, once they get that, uh, I, I think it really frees them up. I love how you guys combine retire debt-free and with dignity. Two wonderful goals. The 401k isn't going to be enough to do that. Has to have wealth management as well. I'm sure you guys are do some, doing something along those lines. So how do you facilitate the referrals? How do you engage with wealth management? What are you guys doing on that front? We have two divisions. So I head up the 401k side of the business, and then uh, my partner heads up the wealth management side. And we, we do overlap and we support one another, obviously. But um, from a focus standpoint and a time standpoint, that's how we've segmented our business. And the employees then we have are supporting us on those specific initiatives. So it's actually something that we, um, I would say, support and service. It's just not my focal point. Now, one thing that we are doing, and I'll kind of share this um, good, bad, or indifferent, and it goes back to kind of our principles. When an employee leaves their employer for, let's say, they go somewhere else, they decide they want to retire, they do, whatever the case might be, um, we do help them with their assets, but we've taken a stance and I, and I know it's, you know, there's been back and forth conversations on what you could or should do where we maintain the same fee that we are charging in the plan if we do a rollover with them on that individual rollover. Now, if they have questions and they need financial planning support, then we'll set up an advisory agreement and we'll do a questionnaire and we'll put a financial plan together for them. That would be different. But if we're just managing their assets and providing that guidance and support, we maintain the same uh, advisory fee that we're charging uh, in the plan, outside the plan with the IRA. And that's just something that we, as an organization, you know, made a commitment to early on. Um, the more and more I talk to different advisors, I can see the argument for, you know, why there's going to be more work involved, there's less economies of scale. So I can see the argument for it. But that's just something where we kind of take a stance principally that we're going to maintain this disposition. And as a result, we've been able to maintain a lot of those relationships, even when an employee terminates employment, because uh, they enjoy working with our firm, with our organization, and it's also mindful of the you know expenses that they would potentially occur going elsewhere. Well, let's go to the final question. You know what it is? It's the magic wand. So Derek, if you could wave this magic wand, change anything in the world, what would you do? 
you know, that, that's such a hard question. Um, I guess I would say, you know, I, I would, I'd like to answer it two ways. I would say change myself. And, and I, and I say, because I, I wish that I would be able to better understand other people's pain and suffering and be able to love them deeper. Um, so I guess like that's my like idealistic answer. And then from a, uh, from like a pragmatic standpoint, if I could change one thing in the world, like anything, I would absolutely figure out a way that we as a whole world could get along and not have war, that we would be supportive of one another and not have war. Cause I just think war is just awful what it does. You know, it's just, there's so many bad consequences of war. So I would say, I guess it would definitely be peace, but if I could change and, and, and the one thing is myself, and that's what I'm constantly working on. And, and I do that. So one of the ways I'm trying to do that is I, I read a lot. I listen to the podcast. You know, I, like you're doing a great job. I love the content you put out. Trying to learn other people's perspective so that I can be more compassionate and loving and understanding. I feel like we have not like me, you, everybody. We tend to be dismissive of other people's feelings and we don't put ourselves in their position. But somebody's always going through something. You know what I mean? Somebody's always struggling with something there, whether it's a family issue or a personal issue or hitting in enough sleep, whatever the, the, the situation might be. And I feel like we all could do a better job of just putting ourselves in their shoes and being more loving and compassionate. Great way to finish. Derek Fiorenza, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Shaping Change by Ross Marino and Susan Bradley. Well, I've really lived the whole theme of the book. Any advisor will tell you they've seen clients go through this where they have plans one day, you wake up the next day, and the plan is scrapped because life happened and the plans need to change. Get your copy of Shaping Change by visiting shapingchangebook.com.